Um, I was trying to figure out how to tell the, the story of the resurrection this year, and um, I decided I would, we would talk, uh, maybe use the story of the resurrection kind of from one of the disciples. And, um, and so I uh, put together a whole message around uh, Peter, the life of uh, Peter the Apostle. Uh, only problem is I lost my notes. Slight problem for Easter Sunday. Uh, so I told the first service that, and it was a train wreck. The whole service went downhill, and literally we had a medical emergency at the end. The whole thing was a fiasco. But anyway, it's going to be better this one, I promise you that. And I'm glad that you're here. I just want to get your expectations low. Very low. Because the people's expectations are high. Um, and so... Uh, you know, the reason, that I, the reason that I resonate with Peter so much is because if you know his story, it's this up-and-down story. You know, he's, he's in, he's out, he's, he's kind of all over the place. And uh, the, the story begins where Peter is on his boat, and the first time that he ever meets Jesus, he's just on his boat fishing. And Peter was a fisherman by trade. And uh, probably just an ordinary day, perhaps even a sub-ordinary day. He's not having a great day of fishing, not catching anything. And uh, if you're in sales or something like that, you just know, or you're in business, you know what it's like when things just aren't going well. And so things aren't going well in the fishing world for Peter. And uh, he's sort of minding his own business. And um, along comes... A sort of a crowd following uh, one particular guy who he learns very quickly is, is sort of a teaching rabbi. But this was no ordinary guy. As people were, were starting to crowd, and, and the, the, this teacher came closer and closer towards the shore where Peter had pulled up his boat. And to Peter's surprise, this teacher turns and looks at Peter and says, could I borrow your boat? Um, the fishing isn't going that well. Maybe it was something that he saw in this teacher. Maybe it was the, the size of the crowd. But Peter just instinctively or reflexively says, sure. And Jesus gets in his boat and he asks to be pushed away from the shore a little bit. And so Peter rows him off the shore just a little bit. And Jesus begins to teach. Now, any of you that are around the water much, one of the things that you know is that your, your voice will carry across the water perfectly. I mean, I live on a lake, and I can tell you for sure that if there's a bunch of teenagers in the middle of the night out on a boat talking, I can hear everything that they're saying, right? <laughs> So Jesus is literally backed away from the shore and his, his message starts to carry out. And there is Peter and Peter finds himself captured, maybe even enraptured by the things that this rabbi is teaching. The crowds are enormous. You know, the thing that you have to remember about Peter was that he was human. He wanted to be liked. Peter, like you and like me, he wanted his life to matter. And fishing, maybe it just didn't seem to do it for him. He wasn't getting anywhere. And this, this particular moment sort of became a game-changing moment. 
When Jesus finished his talk, he says to Peter, hey, take your boat out a little further and get some fish. And, you know, Peter is like, hey, uh, well, excuse me. I mean, that was a fine speech and all, but you're a teacher and I'm a fisherman and I'm telling you they aren't biting today. I've, I've been. But maybe there was something in Jesus that Peter saw that caused him to take a chance. And so he did. He rowed his boat out a little further. He let down his net as Jesus asked him to. And he caught such a large catch of fish that the gospels say they had to bring a friend's boat out just to bring the haul of fish in. The catch of fish was so big that it threatened to sink both boats And immediately, Jesus knew he was in the presence of somebody special. And his life from that moment on would be forever changed when Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, no longer are you going to be a fisherman, but you're going to be a fisher of men. I want you to come and follow me. Peter wanted his life to matter just, you know, like you and I. And it did start to matter because he finds himself, think of it, not just one of the 12, 12 men chosen to be in the core of the followers of this teaching rabbi, miracle worker, gaining hundreds and thousands now of people. But but Peter finds himself in the circle, the inner circle of the twelve. He finds himself with the three. I don't know if you've read this in the Gospels, but there were certain occasions where Jesus would go and not all twelve could even fit. So he would invite three. One time he goes into a house to heal a girl and just the three get to go. Peter is in the inner circle. One occasion, he goes to a mountaintop, and he's transfigured, literally changed it before their eyes. And, and Peter gets to witness this. He is in the core. Something special is happening with Peter's life. He, it's what ancient teachers call the first half of life, where you, you become somebody so that you can enter the second half, mattering, belonging, becoming. He was finding himself. But he was a work in progress, if you know what I mean, right? I mean, Peter, maybe the reason I identify with Peter so much, maybe some of you too, is because Peter was in and then he was out. He was getting it all right, and then next thing he was getting it, what? All wrong. I remember uh, reading in the Gospels a time where Jesus gathers the disciples He pulls them aside for sort of a, if you will, a disciples' retreat. Maybe just to get away from the crowds and and all the the hubbub. And and he gets them away and he, he asks them, he says, Now, what are people saying about me? And the disciples offer, they said, Well, some people are saying you're you're Elisha, you're one of the prophets, you're and 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 then Jesus says, Well, but who who do you think that I am? And Peter, as he always would do, you know, Peter was the guy that always had his hand up first. In fact, let's be honest, he didn't even raise his hand. He would just say it, right? And he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He got it all what? Right. And Jesus says, ah, Peter, 
You, you got it. This wasn't even revealed to you by men. This was, this was revealed to you by my father. In that same scene, just a few minutes later, Jesus then thinks at this little retreat gathering that they're having that he wants to explain not only who he is, but how he's going to go about doing what he's going to do. And he says, I'm going to die. It's the first time that he explains to them that he's going to suffer and die. And Jesus, who, or Peter, who was getting it all right, all of a sudden interrupts Jesus and goes, Oh, no, 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 no. We're, dying's not really the plan. Jesus says, uh, no, actually, Peter, that is the plan. And Peter argues with them, and they go back and forth. And, and if, you, if you read the story, literally, Jesus has to rebuke him. And he says, to quote, get behind me. And he calls him Satan, the accuser, which is a really derogatory term, if you're not familiar. And when Jesus is calling you Satan, that's usually not good. So Peter was like getting it all right, and then he was getting it all wrong in one instance like that. He had this personality. I, I decided this week I was trying to do something special for Easter, and I, people had been telling me about particular personality tests, and they said it's really helpful, it really has some spiritual angles to it, and uh, people are finding a lot of help in it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take a personality test and find out what's wrong with me. Right? And I, I started to take the test. And, you know, you, you take it as a question. And if this happened, would you do this or that? Would you find yourself at the back of the party or on the dance floor? Would, you know, all these questions that you ask, answer. And I'm going through page and then the next page and the next page. And page after page, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of anticipating, like, wonder what I am, you know? I wonder what I'll be. And you get keep going, and I'm getting closer to the end, and now I'm kind of excited, I wonder what I am, you know, and I get to the end of the test, and and it's it's on the computer screen, and it says, error, (laughs) error, Uh, unfortunately, now, if you do a test about yourself, and it starts with error, and unfortunately, it's usually not good, right, and it goes on to say that I flunked a personality test, You can't flunk a personality test. It's not right or wrong. It's just here or there. No, this is the true story. They said, maybe take it another time. <laughs> you're, it's, I mean, I read the fine print, which is you're screwed up. I mean, we, we, we don't know what to do with you, right? Now, here's the thing. This is a true story, unfortunately. Uh, but here's the, here's the truth. The reality is, if you've ever followed the life of Peter, we do sort of identify with him. Because sometimes we're getting it right, and the next breath we're getting it what? Wrong. Like sometimes we're hitting on all cylinders, and sometimes we're just missing the thing completely. And Peter, who becomes the closest to Jesus in this inner circle, so many points he would get it right, and then he would get it wrong. Peter was the guy that would always say what everyone else was thinking. Read in the Gospels, and, and at one point, they're, 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 they've all kind of abandoned their whole lives to follow Jesus, and, and Peter kind of raises his hand, and he goes, well, you know, what's in it for us? 
We've left everything to follow you. Now, how many know no one wanted to say that to Jesus, but Peter did? Peter was the guy that said, exactly how much am I going to make doing this? One occasion, the disciples are in a boat, and Jesus is not with them. And they're out rowing at night, and a storm comes in. Now, the disciples, most of them were fishermen, not all of them, but most of them, so they're very familiar with the water. They're very familiar with the Sea of Galilee. It was their livelihood. But what they also knew is though they were good around the water, they also knew how powerful the water could be and how a storm could come in just like that and change the calm seas into a raging raging set of waters. I had the privilege years ago to go to the Sea of Galilee, and one of the, one of the, the people there explained to me, they said, look at the mountainsides, because there's, there's tall hills, many mountains, if you will, that surround the Sea of Galilee. And they said, look over there. You see that, the, how the, there's a break in the hill? I said, yeah, there is kind of an opening. He said, what happens is the wind gathers, and it funnels through there. And when the wind funnels through there, it shoots onto this water, and it causes some unbelievable storms. I said, oh, I get it. Disciples are afraid they're not even going to make it. And they can see a figure on the water, and, and they don't have any idea who it is, but as the figure comes closer, they realize it's a person. Now they're afraid, not just of the storms, but they're afraid of this. What is this? As the figure gets closer, they realize that it's Jesus, and he calms them down. He tells them, don't be afraid. Now, Peter, here's Peter again, right? Peter was getting it all right, and then he was getting it what? All wrong. But he's the first one, and he goes, Lord, if that's you, tell me. Tell me to come. I want to do that. Jesus invites him, and Peter steps out onto the water, and, and it holds. And he's looking at Jesus, and he's marveling, and as he's making steps towards him, His focus shifts from Jesus to the wind and the waves. And he begins to sink. Now, of course, there was a message there. A message for all of us. Which is we get to choose what we want to focus on in our life. And you can choose and focus and talk and rehearse about your circumstances, the wind and the waves, the job, the, the reports, the illness, the, the hurt, the, the wrong, the, or you can put your eyes on something bigger, something bigger than waves. And usually our life goes the, direct, our life goes the direction of our focus. You get to choose what you focus on. Peter began to sink, and Jesus grabs him and, of course, saves him because he's got a few more lessons to learn, like all of us. A few more lessons to learn, a work in progress. And what Peter learns and what we are all learning is that Jesus comes in the boat, the storm then is calm. And he learns that Jesus not only calms the storms in our life, but it's Jesus that catches us when we fall. Uh, Peter was learning like we're learning, and, you know, 
he was just a work in progress. And he was learning to transfer his trust, to live by faith. And um, the thing I think about Peter is the thing I think maybe makes sense for a lot of us. And that is Peter had his shortcomings. All of us have our own shortcomings too. We, today's world, like we call our shortcomings baggage. You know? And the truth, we all have a little baggage, don't we? We all have a little something. And uh, it, made, it made the most sense to me. The other day I was on an airplane. I was watching a guy with his bags but only he had him on his back. And uh, he's going down the aisle, you know what I mean? And then he's, like, turning to put something in the overhead bin, and there's this sweet lady sitting there reading a book, minding her own business, and just whacks her right in the face, right? And, uh, I mean, kind of jars her pretty hard, and, you know, he's just completely oblivious, just getting his thing, you know, she's bleeding, and ambulance, and he has no idea. And, well, no ambulance, but... In, uh, and, and then not only that, but then he finally recognizes, oh, I've done something to hurt this person. So he turns around and whacks this person while he's attending. And so there's, there's a lesson about our baggage that all of us have. And the first lesson is that you have some. And you have some whether you see it or not. Because how many know everyone else can see it? Everyone else can see Peter's baggage. Everyone else, could, it was obvious to them. But sometimes what's not obvious to us, because we put it behind us. And, you know, the other thing that you, you, you and I have to remember is that we have it whether we can see it or not. And oftentimes we are the ones who can see our baggage last. But the other thing is this. It can hurt other people whether we intend to or not. People get affected by our baggage. The things that we say, the way that we react. Maybe because we've been hurt or because of something. But it's sort of irrelevant because even if we intended to or didn't intend to, it still hurts other people. I think that was the work that Jesus and Peter were doing together. Is Jesus was making him into some Someone. Jesus could see in Peter things that Peter couldn't even see in himself. You remember when Jesus, at one point in, the, in, in their journey, he, he gives him a nickname. He says, You're, it wasn't Simon anymore, but it was Peter who we refer to him now. Petros, meaning rock, rocky. Here is the most impetuous flip-flopper of the group, and Jesus calls him the stable one. Because you could see something. And I want you to know, here's something you need to know, Easter. God always sees your best. Always. I know you've been trained in some other religious settings to think God's always looking for your worst. I think that's lousy. I think God always sees your best. I think God always looks for your best. Why? Because what, what does a good parent always do? Look for the worst or look for the He looks for the best because he's going to bring the best out in you. Sure, we make mistakes. But here's the thing about our baggage. Can I just say this? 
I started, this is what I started doing because I saw that and I thought, oh my goodness, I wonder how many people I'm unintentionally whacking with my bag. So now when I get on the flight, I put my bag in front of me. It's a little, a little more difficult, but I literally just carry it like this. So I want to know it. And truth is, I still whack a couple people, but I can see it. Sorry. Sorry, ma'am. Sorry, sir. And I figured out something Though we all have baggage, though we all have shortcomings, though we all have failures, we can manage it if we will put it in front of us. Hmm? We'll pay attention to it. Not only can you manage it, you can minimize it. I mean, you can squeeze it. Not only can you do that, but you can minister through it. Do you realize how much God used Peter and all of his baggage? And how much God can use yours if you'll allow him to? I mean, put some candy in it and hand it out when you're going, right? Your, your loss, your failure, your shortcomings, your sins, your faults, all of it can be used. Why? You can sit next to someone else who's been through that and you can share how Christ has helped you. It's not always a bad thing. It just needs to be managed. Peter was getting it, stumbling. He was, this, he was this close, I call him the close and clumsy apostle. He would just keep tripping. The, the, the scene, it comes to a culmination. The disciples have been together with Jesus for approximately three years. And they come into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. A huge festival celebrating their freedom. Jesus gathered his disciples for their own Passover meal. They were going to share it together. It's a meal that we will recreate in just a minute. He gave it new meaning. Talking about his body would be broken. His blood would be spilled for their freedom. They were slow in understanding after the meal, they go to a garden. And in this garden, Jesus tells the disciples, I'm going to go over here and pray. He senses that the end is near. And as he kneels down to pray, he comes over to the disciples who are a little further down in this grove of olive trees. And they've all fallen asleep. He wakes them up and he, Peter, um, can you guys stay awake? Can you watch? Peter rallies himself thinking, yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta be strong. Because at the meal, Jesus said something that troubled all of them. He said, all of you are going to fall away. All of you. Peter, again, was, he couldn't help himself. He said, no, not me. Not me, Lord. I mean, in fact, he goes, if I have to die, if I have to die, I'm going with you. I will stick by your side. Have you ever said things and you really didn't know what you were talking about? Got a little ahead of yourself. Peter is way out over his skis here, right? And a few minutes later, Jesus is back praying. The disciples have fallen asleep again. And the 
soldiers come in. One of the disciples, Judas, had gone and betrayed Jesus. Told them where they could find the disciples. And Peter, all the disciples scattered. Because when the soldiers came, they wanted to stick with Jesus. They wanted to stay by him. But they just, they just didn't have the courage. And they just scattered into the night. Peter was wanting to be true to his word. And he didn't quite keep his word. But what he decided to do, he stayed back just away from the soldiers so no one could see him, but he followed Jesus and the soldiers from a distance. They made their way to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. They were going to have some sort of a trial there. Probably John knew someone there, and, and, and so Peter gets let in at the gate. He, I'm with this guy. And at the gate, there is a gal, and she recognizes Peter because, again, he's one of the inner three. And says, well, aren't you with him, pointing to the the criminal? Peter was caught off guard and immediately just said, no, no, I, I, I don't know him. And he feels this little twinge in his gut. Later goes over by the fire to warm himself. And someone across the fire said, you know, I'm pretty, aren't you one of the, aren't you one of his 12? He goes, no, I I don't know him at all. Uh, He he had got up and mixed in the crowd and then some other people saw him and said, no, no, you're one of his. And Peter just starts to curse. I've never, I've never seen them. I don't know anything about him. I just showed up for this. And as soon as Peter said that the third time, the criminal, Jesus, turned. And the gospel writer says they met eyes. Peter looked into Jesus' eyes and Jesus looked into his. And Peter knew he had let him down. And immediately, Peter, his eyes were then filled with tears. He couldn't say anything, he couldn't do anything. He just took off and ran into the night. And while Peter's feet took him further and further away from Christ, the soldiers took Jesus and carried him closer and closer to the cross. So Peter's, you know, disappointment in himself is just can't seem to do it. He can't seem to become that person that he wants to become. And anyone that's honest has been frustrated with themselves as much as has been frustrated with anyone else. His frustration reached like a point of bitterness. But, you know, you just had this sense that Jesus believed in Peter all along. And just as they didn't quite understand how Jesus had been trying to teach them that he would die, they, they certainly didn't remember the lesson on I will rise again. And so Jesus comes back. Some of the lady followers had gone to the tomb to finish embalming the body, and it's missing. And rumors start spreading, and Peter and John take off running for the tomb. 
trying to figure out what might have happened. And there's no body. Think what's going on in Peter's mind. I failed him. Now what? One of the great scenes after the resurrection. Peter is with several of the disciples. And they're out fishing back on the Sea of Galilee. Back where it all began. Where he first met Jesus. They decided to go fishing and they went out at night and they caught nothing the whole night. Not a bite. The sun's just starting to come up. They've packed it in. They're done fishing. And someone's on the beach. And he says to them, haven't you caught any fish? And they said, no. Nothing. And he says, throw your net to the other side. This is starting to get familiar. And when they do, they get such a great catch of fish. Immediately, they know. John says, it's the Lord. Peter takes his garment, outer garment that he had taken off. He wraps it around. He dives in the water. He swims to shore. And there he meets Jesus, who's already barbecuing fish on a fire. How many know he's already got the thing you're looking for? There they are. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, you know that I do. You get the subtext, right? You know that I struggle, but that I love you. But Jesus repeats it. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. A third time, Peter, do you love me? Three times, just like there had been three denials in a garden, Jesus was doing something for Peter. Not to question him, but to remind him. To remind him of what? You could fail me a hundred times and a hundred times, Peter. I would love you and I would believe in you. For every failure, Jesus has grace, right? For every fault, he has forgiveness. He was reminding Peter, I believe in you. And can I say something this Easter to every single one of us? To me, Easter is about God's unfailing love and belief in and for each and every one of us. He knows. But he believes. So many people have made it. Yes, you have to believe in God. Yes, of course. But do you know that God believes in you? The story of Easter was God's unrelenting belief in Peter. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. And as you know, Peter had many more lessons to learn, but it was a lesson that changed his life. What you need to know today is that God loves you and he believes in you. And what you need to know, ready? This is not the end of your story. This is just another chapter. 
Huh? You got some... The rocky chapters later on, they're just interesting chapters. Your life's still being written. And just as God believed in Peter, he believes in you. And this is not the end of your story. Just as the grave was not the end of Jesus' story or of their relationship. It was just the beginning.